one family at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time, and that means you. I am your host, Naja Roberts, a.k.a. Young Harriet, and it is my mission in life to lead my people out of financial slavery. In observance of Women's Her Story Month, there is a quote that I would like to share with you today. And that quote says, as a woman, there will never be a perfect time to execute your dreams because something will always be in the way, always be on your plate, but you must just get started. And that quote, ladies and gentlemen, is from your very own Naja Roberts, because I am that woman that always has something going and never the right time to do anything. Like there's always kids, there's always something involved. And I have had to just say to myself, just start. And if you need a little bit of incentive on how to just start, there's actually a book that says, start ugly. And I had to go and grab that book off my shelf and read about just starting ugly because for so long, I didn't want to do my podcast because I didn't think, you know, that my my voice was getting clear enough because I speak a lot. And so I felt like it was always too raspy. And then it got to the point where, you know, I was worried about my size and I don't want to take pictures and I don't want to do videos because I got to lose this weight and just all sorts of things just come in the way. And, and we as women, we've got to realize that we are enough. We do a lot. We do enough. But we are enough. We are enough for whoever we want to be with. We are enough for whoever we want to work for. We are enough for whatever that enough looks like. You need to tell yourself that you are enough and you can do anything that you put your mind to. And your dreams really, really do deserve to be reality. With that, there is a woman that I would like to showcase today. And this young lady is just incredible in this cryptocurrency and blockchain space. She doesn't even know that I am honoring her today. And I really hope that down the line, I'll be able to get her on the show. But she's traveling between here and India and the Bermuda Triangle and just so many other different places, really talking and speaking to women. Because what she does is all about women. And her name is Anu Baharwash. And she is the founder and chief executive officer of She Economy. Now, the, as the founder of She Economy, what she has created, ladies and gentlemen, is the world's first suite of mobile apps that are on Android and iOS. Now, we know those, but she's branched further than that because she's working with women that are truly in conditions where they are subservient to the men. And so she even has her app on what's called KaiOS and Pregato iOS. And she focuses on women-led podcasts and NFT galleries, and they're all built by women. It's powered by girls as well, that are, and she's targeting what she calls the bottom billion. She is one of the 10 female-led startups 
uh, for a, re a reliance that actually got some money in 2022 to build for Baccarat. And it was a cohort that featured 50 of India's leading mobile startups. Uh, and she was one of those. And she was a global finalist as well for final inclusion. And this young lady is just, I mean, she's doing leaps and bounds uh, for women that are in the Muslim uh, culture, Islamic culture, uh, how they are you know, not treated as equal as men. And so she's really fighting for women all around the world. And she is just an innovator in the space. She literally right now uh, is working with an institute that's called the State of Women. And what they're doing is they're investing digitally in 55 global women organizations. And she did an event that also had 3,000 women and 555 global global speakers. She did this all online. She was featured in, in on Bloomberg. She is huge in the blockchain space and the crypto space. And she's even talking about coming up with her own women's cryptocurrency. And so a new is a force to be reckoned with in the cryptocurrency space. And I am super, super excited to be a friend of hers. Uh, whenever she opens up a conference, I go and speak for her. She's been working with the Department of Commerce uh, for private equity and venture capitalists. And she is just doing her thing, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, look out for Sheikonomy. Sheikonomy is also where I will be more than happy to list some of my things because uh, some of my works because she is, you know, just really talking about how women in the space and not specifically uh, all women, because all women don't face some of the, the scrutiny and some of the things that that we as African-Americans face and that those that are on the bottom billion face. And so um, we're going to continue to work with her in this space to ensure that women get their equal justice in in this space and around the world. And so with that being said, we are super excited again to honor her as our our woman of today for Women's Her Story Month. And when we come forward, we will get our crypto scoop. And our crypto scoop is very, very interesting. We will be talking about some of the things that are happening in our government. When we come forward, this is KBLA Talk 1580, the unapologetically progressive radio station. We'll see you when we come forward. Build black better. better. Tweet it. Tell it. L.A. finally has a black-owned talk radio station. And it's unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. All right. We are ready to roll with our crypto scoop. There are so many things happening in our space that have to relate to the cryptocurrency regulations. You know, yesterday we spoke about what President Biden signed in order. And today I want to share with you some things about the SEC. There's a gentleman that you may or may not have heard of. And I want to make sure that we're always understanding some of the individuals that are players in our government. So there's a gentleman and his name is Gary Gensler. He is actually the chair of the SEC, which stands for Securities Exchange Commission. Uh, 
And I want to tell you a little bit about who he is first. And then I'm going to tell you about uh, some of the things that he is doing in the cryptocurrency and the blockchain space. And when we found out that Gary Gensler was actually being appointed, we were really super excited about it because he had some knowledge about the cryptocurrency and the blockchain space. So for those of you that did not know or do not know, initially, before, uh, I want to say 2020, 2021, those individuals in Congress and in the Senate, anywhere around Capitol Hill and the White House were very, very, very unknowledgeable about cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. And if you go back and you take a look at some of the hearings, it was almost scary that people that had no knowledge about an industry were about to make rules and regulations around something that they had no knowledge about and they but they they didn't seek to find the information out it just seemed like they were going from committee meeting to committee meeting not informing themselves about the actual technology and so when we heard that Gary Gensler was going to be appointed uh, as a US Securities Exchange Commission chairman we were really really excited so who is this Gary Gensler he actually was nominated by President Joe Biden to chair this committee. That happened in February 2021. So that was the beginning of last year. Um, and what he did, he used to be a professor on the practice of global economics and management at MIT. He also taught in blockchain at MIT. He was in charge of the MIT Media Lab and he also served uh, in Maryland in some capacity for digital current for the digital currency initiative. And he actually formed a financial consumer protection commission. So we thought sh for sure when he got in there that we would see more changes than we did back in 2021. So here we are in 2022. And, you know, Gensler has done his thing. He was he was working on the U.S. Commodities and Future Trading Commission on the, during the Obama administration. And again, he had done and and tried to reform uh, what you all may have heard of back then. There was like four hundred trillion in, in the swaps market that he was also a, sen a senior advisor to um, Paul Sabatnis and actually writing some of those. Um, the acts and some of the treasury bonds and some of the domestic financing. And, and he also assisted the secretary of treasure from 1997 to 2001. So I'm telling you how much stuff he's done in government so that, you know, when he became the chair of the sec, we just thought this thing was going to move a lot, much, a lot, lot faster, but it didn't happen that way. So what's happened here recently is that the rise of cryptocurrencies like we talked about at the beginning of the week has really spurred questions about when the Securities and Exchange Commission will actually unveil their specific cryptocurrency rules and regulations around this industry. And so an interview actually revealed that, you know, Gary Gensler was going to be very straightforward when it came to exercising broad influence on the issue which we thought he was going to do last year but we're happy that he's talking about it this this year because what he's going to do is start working 
on uh, regulating those spot Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, and that's something that's new on the scenes, uh, but he's going to do that. But one of the biggest things that Gary Gensler is urging right now is to exchanges. And we talked about what exchanges are. Exchanges are where you go and exchange your fiat money for cryptocurrency. And regulation is what he is urging that we uh, pay attention to that's coming forward. So those are companies like Coinbase and BlockFi, Gemini, Kraken. I own an exchange myself. And so what he's asking us to do is voluntarily register with the SEC. So I'm going to give you a little bit of behind the scenes as it relates to what is happening with exchanges. I own an exchange, and so I had to talk to all the regulatory bodies to find out what types of licenses I needed to hold to conduct business. So every year, I have to send a letter to the state of California to ask them if I need a money service business license. But because in California, digital assets are considered property or in the federal, it's considered digital property, the state of California stated at the present, I don't need an actual money service business license because of how things are regulated right now. And nobody knows heads or tails of what is about to transpire. And so in that respect, we have to go to the next level, which will be the federal level to figure that out. And so with the federal level, the only thing that we've had to do thus far is get um, registered with FinCEN and FinCEN is that regulatory body that helps you um, figure out whether someone is on a terrorist watch list or if they are on a money laundering list. And that is why you have to do that KYC, that know your customer. Every time you go to a different platform, we have the fiduciary responsibility to know our customer. But again, the only regulatory body that I have had to answer to or get registered with has been FinCEN. Now, many of the other exchanges are the same, but they've done some due diligence. And I'll say they voluntarily registered with the SEC. And so because we did not have to, we just did what was required of us. But now what Gary Gensler is saying is that everyone that is in this space should be voluntarily registering with the US, uh, the SEC. He said that the law is clear. And if they're asking us to voluntarily register, I was just a little bit confused as to why he was saying the law is clear. But it's, he also stated that it's not a question whether they're registered or whether they're operating outside of the law. Uh, he's just going to leave it at that. And so... That says to me that everyone is going to have to go and register with the SEC very, very soon, which really gives some consumer protection. So Gensler is one of those that actually went off after uh, BlockFi last year for some things that happened because they had some sort of crypto bearing interest, a crypto interest bearing account. And they got a hundred million dollars from BlockFi for them having those accounts, but not registered with the proper authorities. And so everyone that has an exchange will have to comply. 
How does that bother you or why is that important to you? Well, how it's going to be important to you is that some of these exchanges that have been doing things that they shouldn't be doing, they're going to be uh, tighter. Everything's going to be tighter on them. The scrutiny is going to be tighter on them. And that's going to cause them to really clean up their books. It's going to cause them to make sure that hacks are not happening. It's also going to cause them to really pay attention or someone's going to be paying attention to some of their fees and their fee structure. And that's something that a lot of people don't talk about in this space because you don't know because you're not on this side of the fence. And so when we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to share with you how Gary Gensler's information about us getting registered with the SEC is really going to assist us as consumers again because it's going to make those industry leaders that have been able to do whatever in the world they wanted to do do a lot better and there's another sec commissioner her name is hester pierce and we'll probably hear about her tomorrow when i honor her and what she's doing in this space is we call her crypto we call her crypto mom and she's really making sure that Every single exchange is having to do their due diligence because I can just be honest with you and say, you know, I don't talk bad about a lot of exchanges unless they're doing some things that are unethical to our community, meaning the black and brown community, or if they're just really ripping people off. Or if you heard some of our series earlier on, you found out, you know, accounts were being hacked and there was no accountability. And so if that those sorts of things are happening, I'm talking about it. But I want to make sure that you all know that these exchanges have been able to do almost whatever they want. Just like when you go to a grocery store, the stores can charge you whatever they want to charge you for a loaf of, let's just say, home pride bread. At Albertsons, it may be one price. At Food for Less, it may be another price. And at Vons, it may be another price. Well, Bitcoin is exactly the same. From exchange to exchange to exchange, they're able to charge whatever they want to charge for that Bitcoin whatever their clients are willing to pay. As far as fees are concerned, they're able to charge whatever they want to charge because there has been no real oversight. So if you're wondering why I'm always saying that we don't mind regulation, we just don't want rulers, that is one of the other reasons because I think it's high time that they start to really take a look at how the consumers are being charged and they want to worry about the little people. It's not the little people that are doing anything. It is a lot of these big companies that have been able to get away with a whole lot of things that they've been doing because there was no actual regulatory body to get in their way. And so I think that this is a great step towards this cryptocurrency space being safer for us that are on the bigger exchange. And again, I don't fault anybody for any exchange that they want to use but you really need to understand that uh, they can charge you what they want. They have hidden fees. I say this all the time for some of these exchanges that tell you that the cost to do business is free. Like there are no, there's no charges for buying Bitcoin. But then on the back end, they have other hidden fees where they get their money or the Bitcoin price is higher. They're going to get their money. So. As it relates to exchanges, while I'm on this topic, 
Most exchanges, no matter how they package it, is anywhere from 2% to about 5%. And I tell you, that convenience is what you should be worrying about paying for and not necessarily the price. Because it may look good, but by the time you hit the buy button, they've changed some things up. And they have made it where, you know, they're getting their money. So I just want to make sure that we're clear on this. And these regulatory issues, uh, um, companies, these regulatory industries that are jumping into this space to really figure out what they need to do. Again, in my opinion, from where I see um, is well needed. And the absence of regulation has left a lot of us reeling and trying to figure out uh, what to do or who to actually turn to when there are issues in our space. And this regulatory move by Gary Gensler and everyone else is, I think, exactly what we need. And it's something that consumers need on a regular basis. So with that being said, when we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about some very great information and people have been asking me what yield farming is and if yield farming is good for our community. I have my opinion. Again, I am not a financial advice advisor providing financial advice, but this is KBLA Talk 1580. Be sure to follow and subscribe to all our socials at KBLA Talk 1580 on Facebook, Twitter, and IG. Stay in touch with us by downloading the all-new KBLA Talk 1580 app on your smartphone. Your smartphone. Carry the combo wherever you go. And keep it locked to the only talk station that gives you a voice. voice. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. History is now, and you are part of it. Thank you for spending your days with KBLA Talk 1580. Let's jump back into the conversation. We've got a lot to talk about. Talk about. All right, so we are here, we are here, and we are talking about yield farming. This is really my first time talking about yield farming in person or on the radio, and that is because I really want our community to be ultra careful as it relates to yield farming. Our assets, we talk about self-sovereignty. We talk about holding on, HODL, H-O-D-L, hold on for dear life. So when I hear of folks yield farming, or when I started last year hearing about people in our community yield farming, I kind of got a little bit of wheelies in my stomach because I really don't want our community to lose out. Now, I'm not saying that yield farming is good or bad. So I want to make that disclaimer. Again, I am going to tell you that I am not a financial advisor providing financial advice. But I have sat back and watched some folks do yield farming in my immediate circle that have made some nice amounts of money. But because I have lost so much Bitcoin over the years, I have decided to stay put and not yield farm. But we keep getting the question of what is yield farming. And so I am going to talk about it and kind of give my opinion, which doesn't matter here or there, because if you want to, you will absolutely do whatever you want to do. This space is about you doing what you need to do for you and your family. So what is yield farming? Yield farming was actually the hottest topic in 2020. 
And it was in, we call it the DeFi summer. But the DeFi, which stands for decentralized finance, and I realize as I go through this, I'm going to have to give you some definitions, so just bear with me. But DeFi stands for decentralized finance, which was a big hit in 2020. Uh, that's when yield farming was the hottest. And what they were doing with this yield farming was they were actually locking up people's Bitcoin, meaning you would put your Bitcoin on the platform or whatever cryptocurrency it was. It was locked up in what we call liquidity pools. And they were using these pools to actually trade and they were reaching new highs. What is exactly what yield farming is and how it works. And I'm going to explain that in a second. Yield farming is a practice of staking. So let's back up and do staking. Staking is allowing someone to hold your cryptocurrency, your Bitcoin or your alternative coins in hopes that you would gain some interest on it. So as we know, putting your money in the you're staking your money in the bank right now, but they don't pay you anything for it. So this is staking cryptocurrency. And again, people, friends of mine have been making tons of money staking. I just do not want to part with my Bitcoin because I've gotten burned so many times in the past. But it is not only staking, but it's also lending your cryptocurrency asset in order to generate some high returns or rewards, whatever they're offering you uh, for additional cryptocurrency. So they could say, let us hold your Bitcoin for a month. That means they're locking it up for a month. And if you allow us to hold it for a month, then what we're going to do is give you 8% worth of Bitcoin back. So that is what yield farming is. This is innovative, but it is very risky and it is volatile. It's actually more volatile than you just buying Bitcoin and holding it. And again, it's in the DeFi space. And I'm going to tell you, it has skyrocketed. Everybody is talking about yield farming and the things that yield farming does. And it's also because of some technology um, where it's called liquidity mining. And, and one of these days we'll get into some more of those things. But there's a lot to talk about in yield farming. So I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole. And you hear me say rabbit hole. I know a lot of you are new. When we say rabbit hole, it's like once you go in the ground, there's like all these other um, paths that you can take underground that nobody sees. And so in this space, you'll hear a lot of people say, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. So you are absolutely correct in understanding that today we're not going to talk about liquidity mining because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But yield farming is really the biggest growth driver right now of the DeFi sector. And I personally feel like the DeFi sector is still the wild, wild west. I believe that it is a big balloon that is going to pop uh, because people allow companies to stake, hold their cryptocurrency, which means they have your keys. So they have your coin. And I believe that it really is attributing to the $500 million um, that is going through uh, this market. And 
It's it's just it's I, in my opinion, I think it's a bubble that's going to soon pop because companies are going to take advantage of folks that have locked their money up. But in short, yield farming protocols have incentivized people that would normally leave their Bitcoin or cryptocurrency on a cold wallet to actually stake it and lock it up so that they can get involved in these smart contracts, earn incentives. Um, but there are some small transaction fees that happen, but for the most part, they do get interest from the people that they loaned their Bitcoin to, or they give them these governance tokens. Um, and I'm not one to take one of their governance tokens. If I give them Bitcoin, if I was to yield, I would be looking for those platforms that are going to give Bitcoin back because I loaned Bitcoin and not me loan my Bitcoin and get their governance token back. And so that's what I want our community to know, because some of you are going to say, hey, you know what? I want to stake my my cryptocurrency, but you need to be staking and getting something in return that's going to be some, worth something in the long run. So I just want to caution you and make sure that you're paying attention to that. Make sure that you're paying to paying attention to uh, the investor funds that there are the liquidity pools that they're putting your cryptocurrency in, which basically means that you have to do your due diligence. There are certain well-known stable coins that everyone is staking. One of them is USDT. Again, I don't talk about much, but we're going to start breaking some of these coins down. USDT stands for USD Tether. And Tether means that the coin, this particular cryptocurrency called USDT, is tethered to the American dollar. So if the dollar is worth 91 cent, that means USDC, USDT Tether is worth 91 cent. And so what you do is you buy the Tether and then you stake it on a platform and they give you interest. And when we come forward, I'm going to tell you how staking of that USD Tether compares to you staking your dollar in the bank, which is absolutely the same thing. And you'll understand why more people are getting into cryptocurrency. This is KBLA Talk 1580. We know you have options, but thank you. Thank you for making the best choice. The only station in L.A. of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. All right. So we are back. And I just wanted to kind of expound a, just a little bit on that USDT, which is the USD Tether. In my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, if you have money that is sitting in the bank and you can afford to just take a little bit of a chance on it. So again, as a former financial advisor, I would say never invest more than you can afford to lose. If that money is just sitting in a regular bank bearing no interest, I'm not even going to tell you that 0.00 whatever they give you in the bank is absolutely nothing. But if you can take that same money, fiat, put it into USDT, and I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm looking and I'm paying attention to what's happening in the farm market. If you're going to leave it in the bank anyway, you might as well do something a little bit better with it. So you could possibly buy USDT and then stake it because it's the exact same thing that you are doing in the bank 
at Chase, Wells Fargo or whatever, you're staking your dollars with them and you're allowing them to go out and do whatever they want to do with it and give you nothing in return. So at least in this DeFi space, you can stake your USDT and get eight, sometimes 13% interest on the USDT that you place there. So I wanted to make sure that you were clear and understanding why some people are coming into the cryptocurrency space, deciding to stake their coins. And maybe they don't have Bitcoin at all. I've met tons of people that don't have Bitcoin at all. They just got in it to get USDT because it was tethered to the dollar to put it in a staking pool. And they've been earning on that. But remember, when you cash out of that smart contract and you get that interest that's been um, that's been earned, uh, there are tax implications because you're now taking yourself, as most people do, from let's just say from fiat into USDT to stake. And then from staking, you're going back into U.S. dollars. So if that's been within 30 days, you need to talk to your tax professional because it's counted uh, in a different way than it would if you had it in there for longer than a year. And I wouldn't dare suggest that folks hold their staking uh, coins any longer than the contract allows. So some people keep as what we would call reing up. They keep reinvesting. They keep reing up. And so maybe that's something that you may be interested in doing. Again, I'm not providing any financial advice. I would not personally do it um, because, again, I've lost so much Bitcoin in the past years. Uh, for me, this is just a, a no brainer for me to just sit and allow Bitcoin to do what it's done over the last 13 years. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we move forward, we will come to the point in our show where we're going to do our daily dollar cost averaging. This is KBLA talk 1580 and this is ahead of the crypto curve and i am your host naja roberts and i can be found on all social media platforms at naja roberts no underscores no dots no spaces i got so many scammers out there using my name just make sure you follow me on social media and you follow the right person this is kbla 1580 welcome back, welcome back. we are Rooting for everybody black. KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. All right. And we're going to get into our dollar cost averaging. But I want to make sure that we close out with great information. If you're interested in these things called yield farms, uh, some of the best platforms for you to get on. I've done my research. Uh, people have come to me and I've had not heard anything negative. And that's why I like being in this space because people come to me and share stuff that they've experienced. And so I can give you the best information on based on what I know, based on what other people's experience has been. One of those platforms is Ave, which is an open source project. There's also um, Curve Finance. It is a DEX. It's a decentralized exchange. There is also another one called Compound. There's also a Uniswap. And so those are the ones that I'm going to give you that I've not heard any. Well, there's one more, SushiSwap. I've not heard any bad things about those staking platforms. In fact, again, people have done well. And so 
No shade. If that's what you want to do, you are grown. Never invest more than you can afford to lose. This has just been for educational purposes only, and I am absolutely not providing any type of financial advice. So right now we are going to dollar cost average on the Black Wall Street wallet. If you have not done so, please go to your app store, your i, uh, your um, Google store and download the Black Wall Street. It is black and purple. And you can KYC there, which is know your customer, and get started today. Dollar cost averaging with just $6 worth of Bitcoin a day. So no, you do not have to have the whole amount of Bitcoin. You can get a fractional part of a Bitcoin, which is called a Satoshi. And today I'm going to buy $6 worth of Satoshis. I say a DCA a day keeps poverty away. So open up your wallet. Click on the purple circle that has the two white arrows and it's going to bring you a menu and you can click buy Bitcoin. When you do that, you're going to see at the top, it says one time every week, next, next month, you can set it up and forget it. You never have to do this again, but I'm doing it every single day for the next year so that I can dollar cost average and have $6 to my financial freedom. Uh, I'm putting $6 worth of Bitcoin in there one time every day. So I'm going to hit click this and voila. I have purchased uh, $6 worth of Bitcoin. It cost me 11 cents to do that. And all it takes for you to do is get that Black Wall Street wallet. And ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do is make sure that you stay tuned because we have a phenomenal show coming up next. It is the D.L. Hughley show. D.L. Hughley. I always say he is the real deal. And ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi Millionaires, one family at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. And that means you. This is KBLA Talk 1580. All right. So that one. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.